Hi, I'm KS Garner, and you're listening to the Solo Nerdbird Podcast. Today, I'll be speaking with the writer and designer at Lone Colossus Games, Joshua Rosing, to discuss his new tabletop RPG, Injuries and Vile Deeds, currently on Kickstarter. Welcome, Josh. Hey. So um, outside of my introduction, who is Josh Rosing, and what are you about? Um, I am a... In, as my day job, I'm a grad student. Um, so I do research on um, therapies for Parkinson's disease. But uh, I've been playing role playing games and running games since I was in middle school, so like 15 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, do a lot of do a lot of stuff for tabletop role playing games outside of my regular work. Okay, uh, and what is injuries and vile deeds about? Injuries Vile Deeds is a D&D supplement um, intended to make combat more interesting. So something I've run into a lot and sometimes it's something I've seen a lot of people talk about with D&D combat is, especially if you play a character that relies on attacks like a fighter or a barbarian, you a lot of your turns are just make an attack roll or do some damage and that's it. And maybe, you know, maybe you're, maybe you're a player that likes to add flavor to it. Um, but regardless, it just ends up with just damage and there's not a whole lot of exciting things that happen from that. Um, and so one thing that it does is it introduces injuries for monsters where players can go, oh, I want to target its, its defenses. I want to make this creature easier to hit or I want to do more damage to it. And you can actually describe how you're attacking in such a way that the GM will, will allow you to inflict this injury. Um, and on the other side of things, uh, the other kind of issue with combat people have is oh my my characters are you know they go to zero hit points and then they stand back up like nothing happened and they keep casting healing word and everyone's back to normal um and so some some groups don't like that sort of constant up and down bouncing um without any real consequences to long-term effects and so that's where the player injury or pc injuries come in and those are two independent systems as well so you can sort of pick and choose which one you want Okay. Um, I read on there that there's like 12 different subclasses for injuries and volatiles. Could you go a little bit into that? Like what kind of um, subclasses are offered? Right. Yeah. So there's going to be a subclass for every um, open class. Um, so every everything you can find in the player's handbook, there will be a, a subclass for. Um, and as far as what they're about, um, they're going to tie into the injury system in some way. So you might you might see something for barbarian where you know they're anytime they get injured they get some benefit, or there might be something say for rogue where they have an easier time inflicting injuries on monsters, that sort of thing. Um, just things that are going to tie into these systems and uh, have have additional effects that will work with them. Okay. And you just mentioned that um, you're a graduate student and you work on theories for Parkinson's, correct? Yeah, therapies for Parkinson's. Parkinson's, okay. Um, Has any of that, like, have you worked any of that into any of the uh, D&D games that you maybe ran or any characters you may have created? Just like when Um, you think of, you know, Parkinson's and then maybe say like, a character may have it or um, some type of disability that you may want to work into a game that you're running or a character that you've created. Yeah. Um, not Parkinson's in particular. Mm-hmm. I think from that perspective, it's more just my sort of background in neuroscience and engineering and bringing 
ideas of like how the brain works and 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 that sort of thing um, into the way magic might work in my campaigns. Um, as far as working in disability, uh, that's something I've been working on improving in my games. It's a thing that I've really noticed that has been lacking um, is representation of disabled people in my games. Um, and so of late, I've been very, very much making an effort to have more um, representation there. Um, I definitely, you know, like there's conversations about, oh, you know, you can you can just heal this with regeneration or whatever, right? Uh -huh. And I'm I'm not of that opinion. I I um as a actually when I was in middle school, um, a project that my dad worked on was a uh, a tongue stimulation device that allow you to see through your tongue. Um, and wow. for some people, you know, this is great. You know, your eyes don't function and they want to be able to see again. And for other people, you know, they say, oh, well, this is a great device. And they're like, no, I don't really care. You know, I don't need to see. And that's totally fine. That's a perfectly valid opinion. And, you know, you can have characters that are just like that. And there's no real reason that they would have to be held back for those reasons. So, uh -huh. yeah, I, I bring that up because um, what you just mentioned of the lack of representation. And I remember um, attending the book fest here in Baltimore, Maryland. And one of the panels, um, the panelists were all disabled, but they also write fantasy. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the tropes that they hate is like the cure-all tropes. Like, yeah. um, like it's, scientists have been developing this cure for blindness or for deafness, or um, you can't walk, but you take this and now you can walk again. And But what one of them was saying, one of the authors was saying is that if you cured my blindness that I've had since I was uh, two months old, I would have to learn how to walk again. I would learn how to navigate through my home again. Um, I would have to get rid of my dog that I've had since, you know, I was a little girl or whenever I got my uh, seeing dog. And a lot of people don't factor that in when they do their writing. And like you said, you try to factor that in or you see that it's missing from a lot of game, a lot of the um, D&D games that you run. So yeah, I really thought that was interesting um, that you said that you studied theories for Parkinson's. Um, Let's venture into your um, monthly monsters, monthly monsters uh, newsletter. Like, what does that entail, and why did you start it? Yeah, um, I kind of started it just as a way of starting to publish things. Um, that was the first thing that I did uh, with Lynn Claus's games uh, was putting those out there. Um, and what it is is, I just I make a monster every month. I put you know make some lore for it, make some tactics, give you a stat block. Um, and put that up for free or pay what you want. Um, mm -hmm. And at some point, it'd be great to <laughs> get some art in there. But right now, you just deal with stock images or <laughs> whatever I can draw. Um, so. Okay. I mean, have you um, been collaborating with other artists on um, injuries and vile deeds or maybe any other of your projects? So, how has that journey been with? finding other artists to collaborate with and then working them working with them on your projects yeah so for injuries and vital deeds um i the art that you see there is is all commissioned work um and so that's a large portion of the funding goal is paying for more awesome art like that um and certainly like they're very talented artists and their art isn't cheap um you know i pay artists well and, and I, I pay what they ask pretty much right <laughs> um, that's how it works um but but uh 
yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun working with them. Um, yeah, I never I never used to commission works uh, for myself. I know a lot of people will you know commission character art and all of that, and um, partly just it's expensive, and I didn't have, personally have the money for it. Um, but it's been it's been a lot of fun. And I understand why people love commissioning work because it's so much so much fun to see those pieces come in and give input and then have it come back and and. Uh, have it really transform over the course of the process. So how's your experience been with commissioning? Because I, I know you like you you pay them for what they're worth. Like, you know, it takes a lot to create an image for someone. But like, how's your experience been? Because I've speaking, I've spoken to other creators and they've like had a hard time where they commissioned artwork and then they didn't like it, but they still had to pay the artist mm. their money, of course. So how has your experience been with um, commissioning artwork for uh, injuries and vile deeds? Yeah, uh, I mean, I have not had that experience. Um, the artists that I work with check in multiple times throughout the process, and they're really good at working with the details that I give them. Um, I do so, like for the Angel of Blood, for example, well, for both of them, I gave them, you know, a pretty reasonable description in text of what I was looking for, and then I also told them, you know, I really like your work. Feel free to play with this a bit, and they came back with a couple of different sketches to pick from, and then from those, you know, we work from there, right? Mm -hmm. um and so it, you know it could just be a difference in kind of artist personality it could be a difference in skill level i don't know you know what what other um illustrators have been like for, for experiences you talk to people about but um as, at least for these two it's been they've been really good about you know coming back with exactly what i was looking for really um so how has your journey been ever since starting um, Lone Colossal's games? Um, like, do you prefer this path over working with a more established company? Um, I haven't, so I haven't worked uh, for another TTRPG company, so I can't make that comparison. Um, I think being a, being, being a business owner and creator at the same time is certainly a lot of work as a lot of us know, right? Um, and there's, there's stressful parts of it and there's nice parts of it too, where, you know, you're kind of, you're in charge of things and if you make a mistake, that's on you, but also, um, you're free to make those mistakes. Right. And you're not going to have someone that directly gets upset with you or, you know, says like, oh, you have to do it this way. And you know, in the back of your mind that you shouldn't be doing it that way or whatever. Right. Um, so that, that is certainly, there are some freedoms to, to it that are very nice. Um, what advice would you offer to other um, TTRPG creators you wish someone told you when you first started? That's both in regards to injuries and vile deeds and starting Lone Colossus games. Yeah, so I guess I'll start with, um, like, if you're preparing for a Kickstarter, uh, as soon as you have the idea that you're going to do it, start building a mailing list um, and start reading tons of articles. Um, Stonemeyer Games, it, it was just a very established board games company, has a whole bunch of articles on preparing for a Kickstarter. Not all of them are necessarily relevant to someone in the RPG space, but it's still, it's a good resource to use. Um, as far as starting a company, uh, keep in mind, it's gonna take a while to get everything set up, right? So mm -hmm. even if you're just a sole proprietor and you know, for me, I'm, I'm doing business as, uh, loan classes game. So it just requires registering a new name essentially with the state. Um, and so that didn't take too long, but that was like a month and then getting business accounts set up. If you're going to have, you know, a business banking account that can take a while to get set up. Um, and so just kind of plan, 
plan well in advance of anything you need um, and have everything ready. Okay. And um, my last question for you, Josh, is what is your idea of success? And this is kind of like a loaded question in a way. Um, I ask that because creators, if we're not getting regular paychecks from a full-time job or making consistent revenue from our art, we're considered failures. So many of us will put our dreams and projects on a back burner or give them up altogether because this career can be highly intimidating and competitive. So as someone who's been publishing and developing TTRPGs for a while now, like what is your idea of quote unquote success? Yeah, that's, that's definitely a, that's a complicated question. So that's, mm-hmm. it's different for everyone, right? Um, for me personally, I think um, I have, I have multiple categories of success, right? One is I like the product. If I like what I've produced, then that is successful. Second is, do other people like it? If other people like it, even if it doesn't make money, that's also successful. That makes me happy. Um, and then third, you know, it makes money. And then, you know, maybe I can do this full time or something, right? That's uh-huh. definitely, you know, a level of success that I'd like to get to someday. Um, you know, I think all of us do, right? Yeah. Um, and, and certainly, I think, so my mother is an artist, um, and so she her main job has been to, or she's had multiple jobs um, at a time to support herself and, and you know, help support the family. Um, and on the entire time, she also had her art business. She works in fine art, which is a much different world than, um, you know, illustrating for TTRPGs, for example. Um, but it's still, you know, her measure of success for herself is very different from what other people might measure it as, right? So I think yeah. it's, it's, yeah. It's going to be different for everyone. Um, and it's important to, I think, figure out what that is when you get started, right? So like if your goal is to make money, then yeah, you really, really need to learn marketing and advertising and be good at that. Um, and I think that's definitely something we all struggle with, right? Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, if your goal is to make something that's awesome and have fun doing it, then do that first. And then maybe also learn marketing. So see if you can make money doing it. But um yeah okay um was well, there anything else that you wanted to push for uh injuries and vile deeds like maybe discuss the rewards for potential backers yeah sure so um there are a few different tiers uh but the main reward is a, a hardcover book or pdf um and that is looking to be something like 150 pages so it's pretty pretty solid for, uh, for a first book, I suppose. Um, and, uh, at, at higher tiers, you can, um, if we, if we unlock, uh, additional add-on items, you'll get all of those. Um, and then also if you, if you get to the really high tiers, if you can afford to back those, um, then I will design a custom item or spell named after you or your character. Um, and then the very highest tier arch villain, I will design a villain, which will also, you know, have a portrait and everything. Um, and that'll be with some input for you. So that would be, um, you know, a perfect fit for your game whenever that's ready. Okay. Um, well, again, I want to thank writer and designer at Lone Colossus Games, Joshua Rosing, for discussing his new uh, TTRPG Injuries and Vile Deeds currently on Kickstarter. I highly recommend our listeners to give the Kickstarter a look, share, and or donate if they can. Uh, Also, 
uh, Lone Colossus Games socials will be listed in this episode's details alongside the Kickstarter. Again, I'm K.S. Garner, and you've been listening to the Solo Nerdberg Podcast. Thank you.